Hello, and welcome back to the Man of Class podcast. You are listening to episode number 15. Today, we're going to talk about from greatness to mediocrity. And what I mean by that is that we were all born into greatness, and it was a learned behavior that went from greatness to mediocrity. And how many of us have slipped into that? But don't worry, it's not a one-way street. And so today, we're going to be talking about that whole progression, as well as ways of going from mediocrity back to greatness. So stay tuned to learn more. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class, a place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Before we get into it today, I wanted to say that when I'm recording this, that we have passed 160 downloads of the Man of Class podcast, so thank you. Thank you for finding it, and thank you for listening. I want to ask that while you're listening to this, if you would be so kind as to write a review for the podcast wherever that you're listening to it so that the message can reach out to more people. Many times people rely on um, reviews, just like we do at restaurants, on whether or not to take a listen. So if you've enjoyed the content, if you enjoy this podcast, if you've gotten any value from it, uh, please write what your thoughts are. I very much appreciate that. And so today what I wanted to get into, so the title of the episode is From Greatness to Mediocrity. And I wanted to share this with you since actually this was a conversation that I had with uh, somebody earlier this week. And after I made this connection, both him and I made this like profound shift in our mind. And it was the first time that I really kind of worked through it in this way. So um, as profound as it was for both of us and kind of as a big shift, I wanted to be able to share that with everybody else because maybe it'll do the same. And so what we were talking about, I guess, kind of what got into this whole thing was around homeschooling versus public schooling and how we feel like the education system as is doesn't necessarily provide you to live a legendary life. No fault to any teachers or professors that are listening. It's just the standards for the curriculum are set by the national curriculum, which is really driven by the Department of Education. And on top of that, I believe that it's difficult, it's not easy to have an education system to change because a lot of the skills that are important in the world today are mainly experience-based and something that can't necessarily be standardized and taught consistently to everybody. And so one of the things that I find is like a big trend that's happening right now is the shift of moving from like you, you go through school, you go through elementary, middle school, high school, college, whatever that it may be. And then afterwards, there's this big movement in online education and that online education is more geared towards like the specifics, like the, you know, the specific skill set that you want to learn. So if it's how to do a podcast or how to start a business or, um, you know, how to lay drywall, how to, you know, there's all these things that are, are how to's that we can get a lot of education and and a lot of it through, you know, there's this big trend of like YouTube learning that's going on right now. And I'm certainly a fan because I've, there's many skill sets that I've learned on YouTube. Um, just even as, as recording this podcast, there's been many people who have helped me along the way. And I hope to help many others um, create their dreams. But one of the the cool thing is it's we're getting into that shifting. However, then 
I feel like there's going to have to be a change in the education system because of all of the shift. Many times people believe they don't have to go to, you know, finish high school or, um, or go to school or like any college degree or even trade schools or whatever else in order to get a job, which may or may not be true for everybody's scenario. But I feel like the school system is going to have to start to adapt in order to make some changes. But I digress. Um, I'm a firm believer that we were not born mediocre. And here's why. So one, one thing that we were talking about that kind of led into this whole, you know, mediocrity was he said that, you know, he works with a lot of businesses a lot of times and people are his, you know, one of the most frustrating things is when you get people in and they just kind of, you know, I'm just here to do whatever it is that I need to go do, do the bare bone minimum. If I ask you to do five pushups, you'll do exactly five and not, um, go above and beyond. And that can be crippling to an organization because if you don't have the innovation that drives somebody to do greatness, then what will end up happening long term is that it will just, the business will fall apart. And because you can only have so many people saying, I need you to go do this, I need you to go do this. And, it, and, and all it is is just one person's point of view and you're not building um, a culture of innovation. And so him and I were talking about it, and he's like, I just don't understand like how people get to that point. And I'm like, well, it's not like we were born this way. You know, Lily, Liliana, my daughter, was born in, you know, five months ago. It was, uh, today's the 25th, so the 21st, she was five months old. And when I see her play, and this is what I told him, I said, when I see her play, she is grabbing for things. And this isn't just my daughter. This is, this is all babies. It's just, I... I saw Lily and then all of a sudden I started noticing all the other babies do the same thing because I was looking at babies through this lens, but it was, they don't just sit and just kind of accept things as is. They, they layer there on the back, they get bored and they are trying to roll over, you know, so it's, I'm trying to grab things. I'm trying to taste things. You know, what does this taste like? What does this feel like? I want this. I need this. I want to you know, I roll over and then now all of a sudden they're beginning to understand mobility. And then once they roll over, then they figure out, Hey, if I move my legs just right now, I can actually crawl. Now I get a little bit better at mobility. And then as they go, obviously they stand and they start walking. And then before you know it, <laughs> you're running around the house trying to catch them. But what that shows to me is that, you know, babies that were born are curious. Every single baby is curious. And if they weren't curious, then they would be 10 years old laying on the floor. And that's not true because every human goes through that developmental stage. It's just where throughout their journey is it that that broke down. And so, you know, I've had other conversations where uh, I got a conversation with a buddy where he said, you know, you can't teach curiosity. And it's, and I think in some ways I used to believe that I used to say, yeah, you know, it just, it sort of kind of is what it is, but the more that I spent thinking about this, the more that I've come to realize that no, like everybody was born curious. Something along their way has broken that down so that now they're not as curious and, and it's going to be different for everybody. And so I don't know, you know, where it broke down for every, every single person. But what I do know is that everyone has a story. Everyone has a, as a message has become their message, um, if they, if they let it. And so, um, what I 
have also come to realize is that through development is that our brains actually go through a developmental stages as well. And so one of the things that happens is we start in like our brains operate at a certain frequency. And so frequency just means um, how fast something moves per second. And so we start and our brain operates at a certain frequency, a certain um, uh, motions per second, if you will. And we go through these throughout our day. And so there's a couple different brain waves and frequencies and, and functions. And you may or may not have heard of these before. So I'll go through them so that you at least know. So there's like the delta waves, which is our, when we're sleeping. We're in a very deep sleep. Um, and so that's like half a hertz to four hertz. There's the theta state, which is a four to eight hertz, um, which has a lot of emotion in there. There's that's where like dreaming happens and some of these feelings. Then you get into alpha, which is a little bit more in the conscious. And so there's a shift from theta to alpha where you're in the unconscious in a theta state, but you're in a, when you're in alpha brainwave state, you're in a conscious state. And this is where a lot of the awareness in the body integration with the feelings. Then we get into beta, which is where kind of we're at on a normal day on, I'll say adults. And that's 13 Hertz to 30 Hertz. And this is very much in the, um, between beta and gamma is kind of where we're, we function throughout the day. But if you think about an adult, when, when they first wake up, obviously, you know, when they're sleeping, they're in the Delta, they start to, you know, get up and it's in their theta state. They get up, you know, when they actually get out of bed, you're sort of in this theta alpha state. And then as you go through the, your morning routine, you start getting into beta and then that's how you show up in your everyday life. And as an adult, we have, I'll say, sort of bodyguards because we're, we have a protection system. And that protection system is our conscious mind. Things that happen on, you know, the way that we feel like our emotional trigger to something is really our unconscious mind. Because that's of something that we've associated. And so you know, when you consciously think about something, obviously you're in a higher brainwave state, but that's not always the case. So I've kind of gone through what each of the brainwave states are, but as a kid, as we go through, so there's like ages, I think it's like, um, call it like two to about eight to nine years old. We're actually in the theta alpha state. And so what that means is that we haven't really developed that conscious bodyguard system yet. So we haven't, you know, we don't have our guards on whether or not we're going to allow something to get into our unconscious mind. So that's how a lot of programming can actually be done, <clears throat> whether we, you know, we realize this yet or not, but this is something that science every day learns a little bit more, a little bit more in how different parenting and teaching styles are also changing over time. And so what happens is as a kid, you go through these states. And so when you're in that time, when you start to learn and you start to, you know, your walking phase and, and all of this stuff, there's a lot of a direct, you know, whatever is being told goes directly in the unconscious mind. And so what that means is that's how a lot of their belief structures are built. So their belief structures are built at a very early age. And then all of a sudden we develop at age 10, this conscious mind, 
that is whenever you say something, let's say somebody said that, you know, you're loud and obnoxious when, and it goes right into your subconscious mind. Now all of a sudden you have this belief that I'm loud and obnoxious. It may, how might that taint you? If you knew that you were loud and obnoxious, you would show up a lot quieter. You would show up a lot, um, you show up more meek, more mild, tone things down. Like you wouldn't be allowed and rambunctious because you'd be playing that over and over in your mind because that's directly in your unconscious mind. That little negative voice that's talking to you all the time, that's your unconscious mind that is saying like, hey, tone it down. You know, people told you you're loud and obnoxious, so don't be loud and obnoxious. And then when you develop your conscious mind, if somebody were to tell you that same thing, you may choose to interpret it differently. You may say, okay, like that may be your opinion, but that's not my opinion because we, we have a protection system. The brain has developed that protection system that says, you know, is it, or is it not going to work its way into that unconscious mind? Is it going to become an autonomous re uh, response or are we going to choose to forget about it? It basically like it, it stays in the short term memory and we just flush it away. It does not actually get into your long-term memory base, but as a kid, you, you just have direct access, which is why, you know, when people, and people kind of know this, right? When people say, um, you know, kids, kids are so moldable. Well, that, that is true, but it's, it's even deeper than what we knew, right? We had this sense, we had this feeling that like, oh my God, kids are really moldable, but it's, and that can be a good thing because they can learn at such a fast pace, but they're also very fragile because the things that we tell them, the belief structure that we tell them, can very quickly have a massive influence. And so what, you know, and, and that can be boiled down into a couple different things. I mean, as a kid, right, as a child that's trying to learn, a lot of times we, as, as adults and parents, are trying to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes, just out of our own frustration, a lot of times we just get annoyed and say, like, stop asking so many questions. But if you think through... That may serve you in the short term of saying like, don't ask so many questions, but that may, they may be getting the message of asking questions is how I get in trouble. And then I'm not going to ask questions so often. I'm just going to kind of just be, I'm not going to, to be curious, right? That kind of stifles that creativity. It stifles that innovation. And then long-term, then you can end up having kids that turn into adults that don't ask very much questions. And so it has nothing to do with, you know, they're not curious. It could have all gone back to a single instant where they got in trouble and people were very disappointed in them and it made them feel awful that they were asking so many questions. And so a lot of times, you know, I heard this from um, somebody as well that was talking about babies and they said the reason why kids sometimes ask questions you know, they'd be like, you know, why, why, why? Um, or if they ask you the same type of question over and over and over again, like, um, you know, where did mommy go? Where did mommy go? And she may just be outside or whatever, and that's fine. And you say, oh, she just went outside. But where did mommy go? They're not asking because they don't understand. They're asking because they're trying to understand the language that you're using. They're trying to understand the meaning behind things. Like, because their brains are trying to make you know, millions and millions of neuro neurological connections every single day. Um, that's a lot on a kid as they develop. And so it's, you know, one thing that I've taken away from all this baby talk, especially since I have such a young daughter, 
is to be mindful and to be patient. And patience was, uh, growing up, my family can definitely attest that patience is not one of my strong suits. I am very impatient when it comes to a lot of things. Um, I just want it now. I just want to move fast. I just want to, you know, I just want it now, 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 now. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening on the call thinking, yep, I'm the same way. But with kids, it's you almost have to be a little bit more patient because they're learning at such a fast pace that stifling some of that can really have long-term hindrances. Um, and so it's it's very interesting. And so then I would also challenge everybody to kind of reflect back and say, maybe what was a time that was very vivid for you that could have been the same type of thing? Um, you know, at growing up, there's, we, we go through so many different phases, depending on when you grew up, there was a money shortage. And so there, that's, there's tons of beliefs around don't spend money, save and conserve it, save it for a rainy day. Um, don't live outside your means, uh, don't overdo it or you'll get sick. Don't push too hard or you'll be disappointed. Don't set your high, you know, don't be, don't set your hopes too high because then, you know, if you don't get it, then you'll be crushed. You know, all these things are, are came from probably a place of love, but could also have negatively influenced them to maybe not be pushing the envelope as much because, well, I don't want to set my hopes too high, so I'm just going to get a minimum wage job. Well, I don't want to set my hopes too high, and so I'm just going to marry whoever is willing to talk to me versus I want a relationship that is on fire. Like, I don't want just a normal relationship. I want a relationship that I can't get enough of the person. Like, I'm so stoked. It's so comfortable to be around, and I just want so much out of life. Um, greed, that you know, that could be another big one of like, well, you just want too much. Well, wanting too much is a frame of reference. Somebody who has a billion dollars could say, having a billion dollars isn't too much. Somebody who has a thousand dollars of their name could say a billion dollars is way too much. Everything is a frame of reference. You know, somebody who has one glass of water versus someone who has the entire, you know, has gallons, right? Everything in, everything has a perspective. And so, um, just be mindful of that. And also be mindful of maybe what are the things that you're telling yourself in this moment? How often are like when I'm saying all these things, are you saying, yep, I was told that. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, I live my life that way. And how is that influencing how you're showing up every day, right? Are you not going for that job promotion because you feel like you're going to be disappointed if you don't get it? If you flip the script, what might you learn if you do go out for that job? You might learn that you need to work maybe on communication skills. You may need to work on leadership skills, or you may uh, you may get it. <laughs> and how awesome is it going to be that you actually took the shot and got it instead of thinking of all the reasons why you won't get it or why it won't happen for you? And so, you know, it's it's through a lot of these different. Um, thoughts, a lot of these different, you know, these thoughts, thought creates everything, everything that you think about, you develop emotions around, and that's how you drive your actions to move forward. And so really, um, you know, my hope for all this is that this, that people live their life in more of a consciousness and more of an awareness so that they can get more clarity on what makes them happy and do that every single day. Um, I don't, 
I, I always, anytime I talk to anybody who's not where they're at or, or, or not where they are happy or they're, they don't feel like their life's on fire, I, I always use that as an opportunity to try to, to help them, to try to coach them, to help motivate them to say, you know, you can do this and whatever it is that you need in order to get there, you know, I'm willing to, to help out every step of the way because I truly believe that everybody's purpose on this earth is to live in abundance, to live a life of happiness and passion. You know, I, if it's such a, if you look at the stats and it's like one in three trillion chances that you are alive at the time that you're alive and in this body and in the soul and all that other stuff, like the, you know, the statistics of you being born the way that you are in this moment, listening to this podcast right now is so great. If it was so great, then why would life be designed to be of suffering? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you win the, you win the lottery to get money. You don't win the lottery to get punched in the face, right? Like that's, it's, the, the stakes are very high that you were human and you didn't show up as a tree or as a plant or as something else. Like you show up, you showed up at, as the most intelligent being on this earth. And I, I don't know, I, that could just be totally me, but I believe that because we're, we are in where we're at, that, that life is meant to be in abundance. There may be lessons along the way, like it's not going to be easy, but neither was getting to the point of being human either. So, um, I digress again, but so where I wanted to go with this is that, so there's people, if, if we understand the fact that we were born great, that we were born into a mind of curiosity, um, and along the way that his, depending on your past has led to mediocrity. If we can go back and address and, and figure out, dig deep and figure out what were the things that maybe limited you that, um, supplied into the misbelief of your subconscious mind, then if we can address that, then we can move forward and not only just move forward, but then you can actually live the life that you want to live. And so if we, if we go back and say, okay, so we were born into greatness, we were born curious. We were born to push the envelope and along the way, like kind of what happened. So there's also, I've seen different states where people start out and they're like just super ambitious, super curious. And, and then they fall into this phase of like frustration and anger. They have expectations, but it's not happening for them. And they're just frustrated and angry, but they still have passion there. Ang anger has a lot. Anger has passion. I know sometimes you look at it and go like anger is, you know, bad. Anger is, is negative. Anger is d uh, destructive and abusive. It, it's only how it portrays anger can be used as a great motivator because it, it basically is telling you it's a feedback loop that is telling you, you are not where you think you should be. If you didn't get that job and you're frustrated about it, you knew in your soul that you were right for that job and you were pissed and you're upset that you didn't get it. How different is that versus if you were, you know, got it and you're like, well, I wasn't good enough anyway. Well, then if you thought that you probably wouldn't have gotten, you wouldn't have actually applied to it or you would have applied to it out of pure courage. And then after so many times, depending on how many times you've, you've been beaten down in life, you then fall into like a second stage of feeling lost, feeling empty, 
you know, people often say, you know, why even try, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to give up. Like, I'm just, you know, I, how many times have we heard this? I'm just going to give up on, on finding Mr. or Mrs. Right. I'm just done. Like they're just over it. I'm, I'm just going to settle and I'm just going to be alone forever and uh, forget it. I'm just, it's just me. It's just me versus the world. And a lot of times, I mean, again, think of how, how you got there. Well, if, if, at some level, you were told that um, repeatedly that you weren't good enough, whether it was, you know, you asked girls out on dates and they said no, or um, family members or friends or whatever that it was had, had said something and you took it as you weren't good enough and you heard this over and over and over again and that was the story that you were telling yourself. Well, that it only makes sense that you're never going to find a successful relationship because, again, right, you're, you view the world through the lens that you put on your face. And so, um, I, I see that as, as like the second stage where it's like we fall into anger because we know that we are still deserving of it. There's still that iron will that's in us that is driving us forward. It's that curiosity that's really still driving us forward. But then over so many times, it just gets beaten down, beaten down. And it's a, you know, limiting belief and it's realized, limiting belief and it's realized. And then over time, we just, it's almost like a building up of a cocoon. You know, if, if I think of like how a caterpillar starts to build its cocoon and it starts with like a very thin shell of closing itself off from the world and it just builds up more and more layers until before you know it, you know, it can get decently thick um, depending on how it wants to, you know, depending on the temperatures and the climates and whatever else, but it, it can get pretty thick. And I think a lot of times people go through the similar type thing. They're a caterpillar where, you know, they still have life and they still are ambitious and everything. And they start to build a cocoon around themselves. But if they never break through that cocoon, and this is even a better analogy now that I'm thinking about it than what I originally thought. But if you break through that cocoon and you go through the struggle of breaking through that cocoon, you turn into a beautiful butterfly. Now, before everyone says, okay, that's you know, frou-frou or, 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 you know, weird or blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of truth in that because the more that you go through the struggle, the more that you fight the resistance of keeping yourself in the cocoon, the better your life is going to be. And so I think there's, I think there's a lot of power to be had in that. And so I go through all this mainly just because, again, I see so many people that, and I've, I've even caught up with people that I went to high school with or college with, and they had big ambitions back then. And I talk to them now and they've settled and they've, well, I'm just going to go do this instead. Or I didn't get my dream job. And so I'm not worth it. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Or I'm just, you know, it, and, and it saddens me every single day, but it gives me hope that I, um, after I talk to them and they get, realigned and they get, you know, we, we do some digging and figure out what is it specifically that's keeping them back. And they start actually getting progress on their life again. You see this fire in their eyes again. You know, it's the, the I, you know, another funny reference is like the eye of the tiger, you know, um, I can't remember which movie it was. So if you do know which movie it is, you should send me a message and, and let me know. But it, it was talking about how it was either a lion or a tiger. And they said when they first capture it from the wild, you know, you can still tell that it has that sense of wild, that, that passion, right? That life. 
And then over time, you start to see that life dwindle out of them, so much so that at the zoo, a lot of times, you know, some of these most powerful beasts are just laissez-faire. There's not that fight in them. There's not that hunger. There's not that drive. And I see so many people living their life that way. But, and that's why I say it's not a one-way street. It's not. It's totally not. And if you think that, I would challenge you to reach out and I can prove to you that that's not true. I've seen it so many times where after talking to people and, and figuring out maybe where and what is really coming up for them, that they can get that passion back in their eyes. They can get that fire in their in their soul again. And that will lead to <laughs> doing a lot of great, wonderful stuff um, because you're getting back into realignment. You're figuring out, you're starting to crack the shell of the cocoon. And when you start to, sh when you start to crack the shell of the cocoon, that's when you start to see a little bit of progress. And that little bit of progress turns into a lot of progress. And that lot of progress turns into um, 10x progress. And that 10x progress leads into that dream life. And so um, I just, as an exercise or, you know, as, as a challenge that I want to share with everybody is that I'd like to, you know, check in with yourself. Check in on yourself on where you're at. Are you in that childlike mode where you're full out excitement and curiosity? You just have this burning desire for life. Like you just are excited to get out of bed. You're just like on fire. Or are you in this level two where you're kind of getting angered or frustrated and not really getting what you want, but you still have that passion that's driving you? You just don't know. You may not know how. You may know what the what, but you may not understand the how yet. And that's okay. We can, we can certainly work on how, um, how there's a million different ways of how, especially in the world today, or are you level three where, and it's not level, sorry to confuse. This is going to get probably confusing. It's not the level, like the seven levels that I talked about. It's, it's, this is just a three level thing that I'm, I'm talking about here. Either one where you're just in this full on excitement, you're, you've stuck to it. Um, two is that you're kind of just angered or frustrated and you're not getting what you want, but you still have that passion or three, you've built that cocoon up so much that you're thinking that you're worthless or that you don't even want to try because you know, you're not going to be good enough or that you're looking for, um, ways of getting out of something and you, and you don't think anybody likes you or that you're in this victim mode. It's okay to be there. It's it. Everyone is there. I can, I, you know, I'll be the first to say that I go there sometimes. Uh, I don't stay there. I know how, um, destructive that it can be being in that state. But I also recognize that sometimes life deals you a very horrible hand and that's okay. Because if you can get the right help at the right time, you can turn that into a story that is, that will motivate you for the rest of your life versus getting it to a spot where you are just letting it consume you. You're bigger than the story. So what I would challenge everybody is see where you're, see where you're located at. Are you in that child one? You know, are you in that angered, but still passionate? Or are you just in this hopeless lost state? Um, so three states call it, instead of energy levels, you know, call it states, three states. Um, and I'm curious on what you took away from this podcast and how it applies and what you're going through in your life right now. And if you'd like to share, I highly encourage it. Um, 
to tell me what's going on in your life right now. I'd love to listen and help in any way that I can because as much as I've been able to help give back to people that I've come in contact with, I feel like a sense of resonance when I can actually help people get the traction that they need in their life so that then they can start moving in the direction of where they want to go in life. And I think that there's a lot of power to be had that. And I think that everybody is, is, has power in their life, which is why, again, I think that everybody was born into greatness. Mediocrity was just something that we learned along the way. And just like any skill, you know, unlearn it or learn a better skill to level up your game so that you can live a legendary life, so that you can start to live a more empowering life, so that you're not only feeling empowered, but you can start to empower others around you. And that is how we can start to change the world from a very toxic, negative place into more of an empowering place of love. So with that, I will end here. And until next time, I hope you have a great and wonderful rest of your day.